Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. And for the last now 13 years, uh, Financing Solution has provided very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses. And I will be your host for today's uh, Entrepreneur MBA podcast, as I have been for the last six years. Uh, and you're, if you are interested in setting up a line of credit for your business, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 plus years, I've uh, built six companies in the $5 million and $25 million range, including two companies that have made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience today. I'm very excited to be speaking with uh, Lenita Mitchell Blackwell from Leading Through Living Community LLC. Uh, before we before we get to uh, Lenita, um, uh, today's sponsor is Technology Management Group or TMG. For the past thirty years, they've been a special they they have been specializing in cybersecurity. So if you have cybersecurity issues, if you're worried about potential cybersecurity uh, issues, uh, you know, if you want to put a plan together, if you if there's something that you're looking for in regards to software, they are a good company to call. Please reach out to them at cyberctrl.net. Again, that's cyberctrl.net. Uh, back to Lenita. Lenita has built an award-winning law firm and publishing house and is a number one best-selling author, CPA, and ordained New Thought Minister and recognized nationally as an outstanding community leader. Based on her latest book, uh, Lenita uh, loves sharing the formula to the ultimate successful life with peace, joy, and fulfillment. Uh, Lenita, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. I'm so excited to be here. So it, it it really is a good time in the year. We're getting close to Thanksgiving at the the time of this recording, and then we got uh, uh, Christmas coming up, uh, and of course other holidays depending on your your religion. Um, today's topic is how to live life on fire, a successful life full of peace, joy, and fulfillment. First, when we talk about living life on fire, what do you mean by that? Absolutely. So whenever we think about fire, we either have one of two connotations. It's either burning everything down like destruction or it's a message like a smoke signal. Right. So I am asking you to think of the second one, the smoke signal. We are looking at our lives and we're saying that we have good lives. We have made the money that we want to make. We are serving our clients in our community. Most of us have the families that we want, but there's something missing. And that feeling is the smoke signal that our lives are giving us that something needs to shift as far as how we are viewing success in our lives. It is time for us to make the shift from defining success as things um, like money, cars, that's success formula that was given to most of us as we were growing up, right? You work hard, you be successful, and then you be happy. It's now time to look past that and look to joy instead. And joy is a feeling of gratitude and thanksgiving that we have 
no matter what's going on. Because as business owners, we know that sometimes your business is going great and sometimes not so much. But when we are joyful, we can be grateful for even the places that are hurtful, that are challenging, that we have great misgivings about and see them as an opportunity for us to expand and grow. Um, why do you think we are in that situation where we are not joyful? Yes, because we are literally looking to somebody else's list as to what defines happiness slash success for us. Joy is an inside job. So that means that we have to take the checklist that was given to all of us as we were growing up, that if you work really hard, you get good grades, you become excellent in your craft and your gift and your in your profession, right? That the clients will come and you will make tons of money. You will be awarded and have accolades out of the wazoo. And then you will be happily, live happily ever after. And most of us, we realize early on that that's not happening because we get all of the stuff and then we're just like, okay, so what next? And then we set another goal. We achieve that. And then we're like, what happens next? I mean, it happened to me. I became an attorney and spoke, have spoken all over the world, have published these books, have run various companies, and still there was always something in the back of my mind saying, what now? What next? And so it wasn't until I said, okay, it can't be a thing. It can't be a goal. It has to be something that I'm looking for within, and I'm no longer defining myself by these things so that I'm growing as a person and that I am focused more on how I can live, serve, and be the best version of myself I can. And so that's why we're unhappy because the focus is not on self. It's on everybody and everything else. Well, what was the smoke signal that you noticed in yourself when you said, you know what, um, you know, well, let's take a step back. You become a lawyer, right? Yeah. Now, we did you did you practice as a lawyer, or did you did you, yes, did you work yeah, at a corporation? My- you know, where where, where where what what did you do after law school? Absolutely. So after law school, I worked in corporate America, and I, well, went back because an undergrad I got my accounting license and worked for Big Four Accounting. And then I went back to law school. And so I knew firm was not the way I wanted to go. Um, That wasn't suited for my personality. And so I still went back to corporate, but more on the private side. I worked for a, well, actually the largest property management company in Georgia. And then I recruited for the C-suite, um, I placed the CFO and everything between the junior accountant and up. And then I started my law firm. And I've had my firm now for, it will be 17 years next month. And I truly love, enjoy it. And I have been blessed beyond measure, truly. Um, my clients love me. I do a good job and I enjoy it. I help them achieve their goals and their dreams of success with establishing businesses and and growing the businesses they already have. But the smoke signal that came for me was 
when I was running so hard, I had my law firm, my media company, my publishing house. Um, my husband is a pastor of a church. I'm a first lady. And I'm a mom and I have elderly parents. And one day I was exhausted to the point where my, at the time, she was six-year-old daughter, found me passed out in the middle of the floor from exhaustion. And I couldn't get up. I could not get up to put my child to bed. Instead, she put me to bed. She kissed me on the forehead and she got her Disney's blanket from her bed and she put it on my body and she took a pillow and put it under my head. And she said, good night, mama. And the only thing that I had strength to do, Stephen, was to say good night, baby. And that's when I was like, oh, <laughs> the things have to change. Because at this rate, I'm not going to be able to see my child graduate from high school. So that was the smoke signal for me. What, what happened next? I said, I know things need to change, but I didn't know what and I didn't know how. Um, and so I went back to what I knew, which was to achieve, working hard. And um, then my body started to break down. I developed stage four endometriosis, which is the uncontrolled growth of uterine cells outside of the uterus. And it, it attached everywhere. And I had to have a series of incredibly brutal surgeries and took the most horrible medicine. One of them was a cancer medicine, if you can imagine. And it was during my recovery period, which was several months that I said, God, if you bring me through this, I will, I will change. And, you know, once you are humbled to that place, um, the universe starts working. And I met Rowena Silvera Beck and she is a performance coach. And so over the following two years, we worked together to streamline my life so that the seven page list of roles and responsibilities that I had going, we got that down to two pages. And then that allowed me the freedom to redefine what success was and how I wanted to live my life. Um, I realized that I had been trying to live a perfect life, Stephen. <clears throat> I had uh, listened to very well-meaning people in my life. And I, I'm, I'm saying this so that folks know that I have a wonderful family and friends. I grew up with loving and supportive parents and teachers and community. And they taught me what they knew, which was to work hard and you will be rewarded. But no one taught me how to take care of me. And so <clears throat> that was the beginning that I had to stop trying to meet and exceed other people's standards and expectations, because that's really the definition of perfection, and to set my own, which meant that I shifted from perfection to excellence. And excellence meant that I was able to build in grace and to allow for a time where my best was not going to look the same every time. So that didn't impact my clients from the perspective of they weren't getting good work. They did, and they still do. But rather, it allowed me the time and the space to enjoy the fruits of my hard work. So being fully present. So the only thing that matters right now is the fact that I'm sitting here with you, Stephen. There is nothing else. I'm not playing on my phone. I'm not checking messages. I'm not being pulled in 10 different directions. When I am in front of my client, they are getting the best of me because that is all I am doing at that moment. And for many of us, particularly all of you who are listening to this, you are high achieving individuals and you did that because you are excellent multitaskers. 
But can I ask you to, and I know this is going to be hard, to put yourself at the top of your list and let everything else flow down from there. That is hard because that's not what we're taught to do. We're taught that is selfish. But you cannot pour from an empty cup. If you are so tired that you can't tuck your beautiful baby in at night, then what are you living for? What is all this money and success for if not for you to enjoy the things that are most important to you? Now, you, you are you're African-American. Um, I am. Do you think... Yeah. Do you think that um, being African-American, I mean, you're, you're certainly a huge overachiever. And do you think your culture has had an effect on the idea that you needed to be an overachiever? Absolutely. Um, I grew up hearing that I had to be twice as good to get half as much. And even though there were spaces in my life where the people that I was surrounded by never had that expectation of me. But in those one to two times where there was that there, there was overt racism, there was overt sexism, that tenant served me well. And so I'm a Girl Scout and I was a Girl Scout leader and we were taught and I taught our girls that the Girl Scout always has everything she needs with her and we leave a space better than what we found it. And so when I hit those spaces where <laughs> my parents and grandparents instilling in me, you gotta be better, you gotta be more. And they protected me because I had more. I was better, not a better person y'all. As far as my credentials, I had more, <laughs> okay? Um, that meant that I took that into every space. And in, in, in most spaces, it was not necessary. But it did lead to my crash, the crash and burn. Yeah, you also have the, the you know, I see it often with uh, women as well. Um, they, they, a lot of women really feel that they have to constantly prove themselves. And um, so they run themselves ragged. Um, and then... You know, the third experience that I've had as well um, is, you know, like, you, I, I don't know if it's similar to you. I think you mentioned it earlier. I, you know, I did not have, you know, my parents were not college educated, um, certainly smart, and I'm much older than you, but, um, um, but they, you know, at a very, very young age, that they really couldn't give me advice anymore. Um, yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I find is, although I, I'm sure people are well-intentioned, and my parents certainly weren't that way as far as giving me advice, um, but there's a lot of people, like since this is, of course, the Entrepreneur MBA podcast, there's a lot of people listening to this who are business owners um, I really find that unless someone is a business owner, they really give you terrible advice about running a business. They have not iota of a clue, right? They just, they, yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, I say in the beginning of this, I like talking to people who have experience because if they have real experience and they've been through what you've been through before, 
then okay, then they kind of know what you're talking about. But and you also got to be careful, you know, like the difference between running a, a you know, unfortunately, a coffee shop and running a twenty five million dollar company is significantly different, you know. Yes. Um, so, so did you find that people around you that you looked up to were giving you advice? They were well intentioned, and you took it. Uh, the advice, but you found out later that they were really not, it wasn't true. Yes. So I learned early on in my career to qualify people. Um, I am very blessed that I have parents from both ends of the spectrum. Um, so my mother was a nurse for 40 years. And so she worked in hospital uh, health um, provider kind of spaces most of her career, right? But my dad is a retired orthodontist and he had his own practice my entire life. Mm. So um, when, yeah, so I was able to ask him for advice um, when it came to the time for me to run my business. And my mom was a treasure trove when I worked in corporate America. And I was able to blend the advice that they gave me once I struck out on my own because many of my clients are businesses and they have employees. And so I'm able to talk to them as a business owner, giving them wise counsel, but also to have the frame of mind that their employees have. Because a lot of times when we're running a business, we forget what it was like when somebody was instructing us and telling us how things need to go. And being able to bring that human aspect, that personable aspect to how we're going to govern ourselves and our businesses really helps. Um, but I, I smiled when you were talking about the bad advice, because I remember once <laughs> when I was standing up my firm, uh, people don't understand those first years are so hard and you eat what you kill until you're able to scale, you know, and have people that you trust to take over. And one of my aunts was like, your cousin has her debut and you need to be there in her first play. And I was like, auntie, I can't, I, I have these things going. <laughs> People are depending on me. And she just could not wrap her mind around the fact that if I'm missing at this crucial stage of my business, then this, this could like really be detrimental to what I'm trying to do. But I'm talking to somebody who got a paycheck every two weeks for the 30 years she was in the education system. That's not a bad thing. It's just understanding that in that instance, I love you and I know you mean well, but I've got to do what's best for me. Yeah. During, during that time that you were, let's say that, that you saw the, the smoke, you know, you actually saw the fire. Um, yeah. what, what, where was your husband and all this? What was, he, what was he saying to you during this time frame? My husband is a saint, Stephen, because he had been trying to get me to like scale down for years prior to that happening. It's just I had so many wonderful opportunities in front of me and I didn't get at that point because I was young, right? That people like winners, people like smart people, success like success. It's a magnet, right? And that it's going to always be coming. And I was afraid that if I said no, that it would never come again. And oh my goodness, the empire falls. And that's not true. I had to learn to be more discerning about the opportunities that came my way. 
Um, and that if something doesn't fit, it doesn't mean never, it just means not right now, right? Um, but that, that, that wonderful man, he was there the whole way. And when I was sick, he took care of me. He held down our household. Um, he made sure that our daughter was safe and that she knew that all was going to be well. And when I was back up on my feet, he helped me to get things stood up again. And he is a wonderful sounding board because whenever it looks like I'm about to veer off again, because it's tempting, right? Because the lives that we have built, they're good lives. And we're at a place in our lives where we can look at something from like 10 miles away and say, mm, that's going to be a disaster. And I don't want that in my life. But I had to get to a place where that was no longer the rubric I was using. I had to find a different measuring device because I had to, instead of saying that's going to be good or bad, that's too black and white, that life is gray. I had to say, is this consistent with my skills, gifts, talents, and calling as to what I am doing right now? Because those things can change as times time goes on and to give myself the grace to be able to answer that question honestly and to be unafraid of the consequences thereafter. Is it fair to say that you still, um, that your personality is, uh, is so that um, you always are driving, you're piling things on. Is that fair to say, you say, like, I know you said, you, you know, Listen, we all have our, our what's the right word, um, weaknesses in the, in the, you know, like I exercise way too much, right? Like I exercise way too much and it causes, it causes me injuries. That's, that's something I have to be really cognizant of, right? Would you say that you, your personality is such, because you became a CPA, because, because you became a lawyer, because you built your practice, because you wrote a book, you know, uh, that you tend to try to do too much, trying to be a mother, you're a preacher's wife. So I'm sure you're very involved in the ministry, the, the, uh, the ministry that you're involved with. You listen, Helen, trying to help people. Uh, it sounds like you have a great family, you know, all throughout, you know, you probably say yes a lot. Is it fair to say that you say yes way too much? Not anymore. But I used to, and being honest, sometimes it is very tempting. And so at least once a quarter, what I do is I evaluate everything that I'm involved in and something has to go. Because 90 days is a pretty good measure of whether something is working out and whether it has been completed, can be completed, and is supposed to be completed by me. Yeah, I'll tell you something that I, I, I do often. I've done it for 30 years. And I actually just, I just funny, I, should, I actually did it last night. Uh, I was on a plane ride from home from Chicago. And um, I was, you know, so what I usually, a lot of times what I'll do is I, when I feel, I, so my theme for my life, my life purpose is always based on balance, right? So, balance between health, family, friends, work, continuous learning and giving back. So that's my theme. That's balance has always been my theme. Um, and it has served me well. And there are times when 
um, my balance is off and yeah. I, I can feel it. It's off. Right. I'm like, so what I do sometimes, uh, this isn't what I did from coming home from Chicago, but I'll get to that was I will print out, um, a blank calendar for a week for a week's worth of calendars and nothing on it's blank. And then as I'm going through that week, I put in what I did that day. And then at the end of the week, I go back and I add up all the time and I see where I spent a large majority of my time. And does that reflect where I wanted to spend that time? And also what it usually tells me is, and you know, what can I stop doing so that I can, well, what can, what should I stop doing so that I can do more of what I want to do or reorganize things in a way that I can get the most out of my week or my day or whatever. And, you know, potentially adding something that like meditating or praying or something like that. And I say, well, listen, this is important. I want to prioritize this at this part of my day so that I don't miss it. It's something that I'm very, very good at. I'm very productive. One of the things I was doing last night was uh, as on the plane ride home is I, I, I started saying is you know, I'm, I'm uh, semi-retired now. And so I'm like, where do I want my day to go? Like, what, where do I want to spend my time? So like, for example, um, I, I, I now meditate, do journaling and read. And I, I wanted to start doing it, prioritizing that more in the beginning of my day because I felt it's really, really important. And, um, so, so the, um, so my, my point of saying this is, is there a, a tool or a technique that that you found that has can help people do what they do. Like one of them you just mentioned is every quarter you look back. But how do you do that? How do you look back? Is this a feeling? Do you use data? Do you look at your calendar? Do you ask your husband? You know, is it a what do you do? What's the the hidden secret there? Oh, we lost Lanita for a second. Lanita. Hold on. Test, test. Test. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of a technical problem. Um, so come back to the question that I was asking uh, Lenita, and that is, um, are there little hacks or tools that you found? I mean, one of them was you said you look back at every quarter, um, but do you look at your calendar? Do you ask your husband? Do you just self-reflect? What, what do you do? You pray on it. What do you, you know, what do you do? So I do all of that. And so I guess to break it down, Daily, I get up every morning before the house starts stirring and I do my stretches, I do my breathing, and then I do my prayers and meditations. And during that time, I check in with myself to see where I am. 
um, and it's a total body scan. So it's mental, emotional, physical, as well as spiritual. And then I journal and I use various prompts to get to the question of, am I happy with where I am right now? Am I living a fulfilled life that is pleasing to me? Am I joyful? And if I can answer those questions in a way that is satisfactory, great. And if I can't, I drill down into that. And then I also have a pretty cool calendar. Um, I use Google, but I also actually use all of the color coordinators to the point where my husband was passing by one day and all the colors were being used <laughs> to divide out my time. And he was like, are you playing a game over there? I said, no, these are my blocks of time <laughs> as to how I want to spend my time. And I have a color that's designated just for me, which is purple. And I try to have more purple than I do anything else. Then I have green for money and gray for podcasting because I want to share my message. Um, and then for my business appointments, I use maroon and gold. So um, anything outside of those, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on those things because they are not really enriching my life experience because the purple is me it's my family it's, it's it's the things that i enjoy right then on the quarterly basis yes i look back over my color corded calendar and i see how i've spent my time and if i've met my goals such as i wanted to go on to the five podcast this um, every week for this quarter did i hit that metric right i wanted to ensure that i spent at least an hour every day doing my prayers and meditations if there were any i missed what was going on that day and what can i do to avoid that i wanted to uh win a certain number of clients or bring in a certain amount of revenue did i hit those goals if i didn't what happened there what can be eliminated and then once a year i do what's called the six hour solution with my performance coach, uh, Rowena. And it's, it's a small group of five to six of us together. And we chart out what we've done and what we want to do. And we see what the, the, the bridge should be and if it's missing. And then she helps us to build that out. So um, incorporating these tools have really helped me to ensure that I don't have those smoke signals often, but I still do from time to time. I just don't let it build up until it's on fire now. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I get a lot of criticism from people and it, I, I came up with it. Uh, so I, I do not, I wouldn't say I, they say that I plan things too much, right? They're like, well, mm. you know, are you a human being or a human doer? Right. And so I, you know, I've taken that into consideration and I get it. And I right now in a point in my life where I'm really debating, you know, what the next one third of my life is going to be like. And, you know, there's a couple things um, that I think I, so I, within the last week, I was reading this great book and I came up with the word intentional. And that is, I want an intentional life. It, mm. it's, it's what makes me happy. Um, yes. So I don't like a day or a life that is uh, – a day is fine. But I, uh, I don't like a life or a week or, or something like that that's completely unstructured, which I don't know. Like, like I, just, I just can't sit around and just say, well, let's see what happens today, you know, or, you know, I – 
or I don't have any um, direction. It's just, I don't find it fun, right? Now, there's part times when I, I like a day like that, like maybe a Sunday once in a while where I'd be like, well, I really don't have any plans for today, but, you know, I'm going to go to a bookstore. I mean, you know, like that's still a plan, but, you know, and it was going to veg out a little bit. It's just not me. And so I came up with the word intentional life. And honestly, it's probably just a semantics of to appease people who say, well, you know, you plan everything out. And uh, but I think intentional life is still different because I I really think things out before I decide what I'm going to do that makes me happy. So, I mean, you know, like lately, um, I, I happen to have a, a couple of years here Um I have a, a 14 year old that I, um, uh, that I have to, that I'm, that I'm raising. Cause unfortunately my wife passed away two years ago. And, uh, and so I figured, I feel I have four years of, um, really defining what my uh, last one third of my life is going to be like, because I have four years, I have to raise my son. So, um, so, you know, so now I have four years to figure out intentionally, what makes me happy? What will make me happy? You know, how, how, what, whatever, how can I be productive? So do you find that, um, that calendar system that you use, uh, do you ever get, crit uh, it sounds like your husband criticizes you a little bit for the, um, analytical part of that. Is that true? <laughs> He makes fun of me, so we'll yeah. call it criticizing because he makes well, fun. Well, yeah, of yeah, me. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think he doesn't do it enough? Absolutely. I think yeah. he should do more of that. <laughs> well, that should be the color, you know, you know, that should be a color code on your calendar. You know, that's his color. You know? That's right. <laughs> and let me tell you something, he's probably super happy, right? He is. He is the most laid back guy. And yeah, that's why I we work. I mean, it's been 24 years and, you know, you can't have two of me. You can't have two of him. Yeah. It takes both. Yeah. <laughs> it does. That's what makes a happy marriage, man. I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, all right. So, you're, you know, we have a couple minutes left. Uh, you know, last couple of words of advice to our listeners um, in regards to, you know, be careful with burnout, you know, seeing the, the smoke before the fire, um, you know, last couple of things that you would suggest. I would really suggest that before things get to the place where you could have irreparable damage, that you listen to your life. So this is your body. This is your mind. This is what's going on in your heart as well as your business and make the adjustments that are necessary before they force you to do so. For me, it was shifting from living a perfect life to an excellent one. For you, it might be the same or different, but you know what you need to do. Have the courage to take the action. Great advice. It was a good podcast today. Certainly a great time of the year for it. I'd like to thank so very much uh, Lenita Mitchell Blackwell from Leading Through Living Community LLC for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Also, if you like today's podcast or any of the other ones, please give us a five-star review. It helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit, 
for your business, please feel free to visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as a financing solutions creditline.com. Uh, Lanita, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Visit my website, which is my name, Lanita, L-Y-N-I-T-A, MitchellBlackwell.com. And we can connect on social. You can join my email list, check out my books, and let's connect. Thanks for coming on today. So I, I, I'll, I'll do a summary of something, not summary, of something that um, I've noticed. The, the better an entrepreneur is, the less they do. So as you become better and better at entrepreneurship, which takes about 10 years or 10,000 hours before you become a professional entrepreneur, you, you start realizing where you should spend your time. And if your time is multitasking, you are not a very good entrepreneur. But if you're being proactive about where you spend your time, where you're coming, like one of the things I look at is I often say, where do I spend my time that will may have the biggest impact on my company? And that's where I put my time. And if it's something that's something else outside of it, I either delegate it, I, buy, I get somebody else to do it for me, or I just don't do it. I say it's too much. So it's just a good lesson in re relation to the topics we had today. It's a really good podcast. Uh, I learned a lot and I hope everybody remembers that entrepreneurship is a marathon and not a sprint. Have a great day, everybody.